0: Take a look up at the screen. We've got a bit of a video to play for you. It's not the best quality, but... (laughs) <laughs> Has anyone seen that ad before? I know maybe not it was I think it was out in about 2003 but I remember it was one of my favorite ads growing up. I absolutely love cricket and um yeah, I remember one time I was out in the backyard with my little brother. I think I was about 13 at the time. My brother would have been 3. But we were playing cricket in the backyard and we reenacted that ad. I got him stand in front of the stumps and took the like long run up and I was running into bowl, but I think I must have forgot to tell him to actually move out of the way of the stumps. <laughs> and I was bowling with a cricket ball and I bowled it down and hit him right on the hip. As a, as a little three-year-old, there was a big bruise on his hip. <laughs> He's never played a game of cricket again. I think he was absolutely traumatised. He's a soccer player now, which is probably understandable, but... But you see, I I don't know if if anyone else, uh, anyone here would disagree, but the guy in that ad probably did take his cricket a little bit too seriously. Um, In fact, I often think about that, about people playing sport, is that... (laughs) Everyone knows that guy when they play sport who's just, guy or girl, who's just a bit serious about what they're doing. Uh, Even when everyone around them is just there to have a bit of fun... They're so passionate about their sport and because they love so much to compete and they love to win. And while their passion, is, is, passion about things is usually fine, they just need to chill out a bit, to take it a bit less seriously because people can easily take something that they're really passionate about a bit too seriously. But is that the same for Christians? Can people who are Christians or followers of Jesus take the whole following Jesus thing a bit too seriously? You know, those, those Christians who don't use Facebook or Snapchat, is that taking the whole following Jesus thing a bit too far? Or those Christians who don't watch M-rated movies, is that taking being a Christian a bit too seriously? Those Christians who don't wear certain styles of clothing or, or maybe who, who don't date while they're in high school? Some of that describes me. Some of that might actually describe someone you know or even you yourself. But is it possible to be too passionate and too extreme about following Jesus? How seriously should we take the whole following Jesus thing? Which is the big question that we're going to be confronted with tonight as we look at this passage, as we dig into those verses that we just read. And confronting isn't really too strong a, too strong a word to use because... If you were reading and tracking along with those verses, they're pretty heavy. There is some intense stuff that's said in those verses. And as we look through them, I want us to ask the question, how serious should we be with the whole following Jesus thing? But before we do that and before we dig into them, let's, let's pray together. Uh, Father God, there is, there's some pretty heavy stuff that we re- read in your word tonight. Um, and as we wrestle with it, help us to have open minds towards what you are saying. Uh, those parts that are difficult and hard for us to hear, help us to not just disregard them, but wrestle with them and lead us to know your truth tonight. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's dive in. Uh, if you close your Bible, flip back open to Mark chapter 9. Um, And let's start by asking, what's the go with what Jesus is saying in these verses? What is Jesus so concerned about in these verses that he talks about such drastic things like amputating your arms and your legs and gouging out your eyes? What's he so concerned about? Well, I think the clue for us is there in verse 42, that first verse that we read. Take a look with me. If anyone causes one of these little ones... Those who believe in me to stumble. See, there's what Jesus is concerned about, stumbling. It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. See, what's Jesus concerned about? He's concerned about people stumbling or falling over. Now, Jesus, when he says this, he's hanging out with his disciples, who are his closest followers, and he's been teaching them about what it looks like to be one to what it looks like to follow him because the disciples they had the wrong idea about following Jesus. you see they were expecting that Jesus would bring bring with uh, with him some sort of position or power or influence. but Jesus smashes their thinking. if you have a look in the in the verses, maybe you looked at him in G teams today, but in the verses beforehand he smashes their thinking and says no no, no." If anyone's going to follow me, he's got to deny himself. They've got to say no to their own goals and ambitions in their life because following Jesus isn't about position and power, but it's about serving others. So when Jesus is talking about little ones who are at risk of stumbling or falling, he's talking about people who are new to following him because notice how he describes the little ones there in verse 42, he describes them as those who have believed in me and have started to follow me. And so Jesus is concerned about these young followers stumbling or falling, which means what? What does it actually mean for them to stumble? Well again, if you look at how Jesus describes these little ones in verse 42, he describes them as those who believe in him. So I think we can assume that that when he talks about these young followers of his stumbling or tripping up, it's got to do with their belief in Jesus. See, Jesus is concerned that people might trip and no longer believe or follow him. And so Jesus' warning about anyone who might cause someone to stumble is pretty severe. This is serious stuff to Jesus. If you read verse 42 again, have a look at that second part. If any one of these... Uh, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Now, that's heavy in more ways than one. Because for those of you who don't know what a millstone is, this is a picture of one up on the screen. But a millstone is one of these big stones. and, And the word mill actually means just to grind. Because a millstone was used to grind wheat or other grain into flour. And Jesus saying it's better that one of these big stones was hung around someone's neck like a collar and they were thrown into the sea and drowned than to cause one of his young followers to trip up in their belief about him. You see, Jesus is so concerned with people who are stumbling in their belief in him. To Jesus, following him is... Serious stuff, which is the big thing I want us to see as we as we read or as we continue to look at tonight's passage. The take-home point is that following Jesus is serious stuff. You see, following Jesus is serious stuff, as we're going to see for two big reasons. Firstly, following Jesus is serious stuff because hell is real. Now I don't know what sort of picture you think about when you when you think about hell. Um, Pop culture probably tells us it's something a bit like this picture on the screen. Not that, one, that one. But see, in, in fact, this sort of picture is actually really trying to tell us something else. It's really trying to tell us that hell is a bit of a joke. That believing in some sort of eternal judgment is actually quite ridiculous. But Jesus talks about hell in these verses as a very real place. In fact, these verses, he talks about hell as a place three times. Check it out in verse 43 and 45 and 47. If your hand causes you to stumble, in verse 43, there's Jesus talking about stumbling again, but if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed, which just means to be permanently wounded or injured, than with two hands to go into hell. And then in verse 45, and if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better that you enter life crippled, not being able to walk, than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And lastly, in verse 47, you're probably starting to notice a pattern here. But if your eye causes you to use it to stumble, pluck it out. It's better that you enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm that eats them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. See, those are some heavy images. And we'll look at the amputation and the eye-gouging bits shortly. But first, notice that Jesus talks about hell in each of those verses. And the word that Jesus uses for hell here is actually a word, Gehenna, which is an actual place. It was a place just outside of Jerusalem. And it had a pretty horrific history. You see, a long time before Jesus, the Israelites had used this place Gehenna, which was a valley, and they used it as a place where they sacrificed their children to idols. The, they sacrificed their children to the God of the nations around them. And later on in the Old Testament, God says that he's going to judge his people for what they did. And he would judge them in that very same place. And the valley was actually renamed to be a Place called the Valley of Slaughter. And so when Jesus uses this word Gehenna and he uses the word hell, he would have been heard to be talking about just that. Jesus actually talked about hell 12 more times in the Gospels or the historical accounts when he lived. And Jesus believed, like the Jewish people would have around him, that a horrific place of punishment was real, that a future horrific place of punishment was real. And it was waiting for those people who didn't believe in him and follow him. And so when Jesus talks about hell here, it's shocking stuff. He's speaking with heavy, horrific language for a reason. Because he wants the people who are listening, and he wants us to be shocked by what we hear. Why though? Why does Jesus talk about such a horrific place as hell? Can't he be more of a motivational speaker who, you know, who goes around inspiring people to be a better, better version of themselves? Why does he have to speak about the things that he does? It's a question I've often asked. But you see, Jesus speaks about these things because he's desperate that people don't end up there. Jesus knows that hell is real and he agonizes over people who are rejecting him and heading for that reality. See, so check out Luke 19, verse 41 to 42 on the screen. This is, this is Jesus as, he, as he's approaching and heads to Jerusalem. It says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, only you, he's talking about Jerusalem there, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. You see, Jesus here is in such agony for the people in Jerusalem, the people who have rejected him because they don't know what would bring them peace. He stands at the city and looks at it and he cries as he looks down at the city because Jesus is desperate that people don't end up in hell. And so in the verses that we have read today, Jesus is so concerned about the reality of hell that he talks about it three times And he says it would be better to lose part of your body than to end up there. He repeatedly, time after time, warns his followers about the danger of stumbling and not believing in him. And Jesus talks about hell because he cares so much about people. He's desperate that they don't end up there. And when Jesus is speaking of hell in these verses, it's like he's putting up warning signs for the people all over the place. And see, so this, this is a warning sign that I found um, on Google Images earlier. It's a bit of a pointless sign. <laughs> there we go. But um, normally when you're putting up warning signs, or when, normally when you desperately don't want someone to go into some area or place, you put up a bunch of warning signs or hazard tape all around it. Actually, check out this other picture that I found. I reckon this would be the craziest traffic lights to stop at and try and figure out what you're meant to do. But um, Jesus is speaking about hell in these verses, and he's speaking about it as a real place. And he's, he's putting up warning signs everywhere so that people take notice. Because he's warning people over and over again about the danger of not taking the reality of hell seriously. But where does all of this lead us? Where does it leave us? If hell is real... And Jesus is desperate that people don't end up there. What solution does he actually have for us? Well, the key to that is in verse 42 again. again, So have a look at it. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble. You see, we noted earlier that Jesus is concerned about people stumbling and tripping and falling. But stumbling from what? We'll notice that he's talking about, again, those people who believe in him. You see, the solution that Jesus offers is that people believe in him. There's another verse in John three thirty-six. It's up on the screen for you. It says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath, that's God's anger, remains on them. You see, there's two options in that verse there. You can either believe in Jesus and accept that he is God, accept that what he says about himself is the truth, accept that you can have life because he died on the cross and endured hell for you. Or you can reject him. You can reject all that he offers and all that he speaks of. You can reject the offer of life that he gives But notice in that verse that it says God's wrath, that's his anger at your rebellion and rejection of him, remains on you. You see, in these verses, Jesus is desperately warning us that hell is real and he's pleading with us to believe in him. If you haven't done that tonight, consider it. Consider what Jesus offers you. Perhaps you might like to chat to one of us leaders about it later on. But if you are a follower of Jesus... If you have put your trust in him, then Jesus is calling you to keep trusting in him. And as we unpack the rest of these verses, we'll see just what that will involve. So let's push on. Alright, the first thing we have seen tonight is that following Jesus is serious stuff because hell is real. And the second reason we're going to see tonight is that following Jesus is serious stuff because it's going to hurt. Following Jesus is going to hurt. Have a look at verses 43 and 45 and 47 again. Because these verses show us that the extreme measures that Jesus calls calls his followers to make in order to avoid stumbling and no longer believing in Jesus. Verse 43, amputating your hands. Verse 45, amputating your feet. And verse 47, gouging out your eyes. These things... Extreme. I've actually done two out of three of these things before, not to myself, but other people. <laughs> so if you wanna, want a bit of a story, come up and ask me about it later. <laughs> but these things are really extreme. Cutting off your hand, cutting off your feet, gouging out your eyes, that's some hectic imagery that Jesus uses. But does Jesus actually want people to physically do all of these things? So cut off your hands, cut off your feet, gouge out your eyes. Does he want them to do these things in order to keep them from stumbling in sin and to keep them believing in him? Well, Jesus here is actually more using some exaggerated language to emphasize the importance of what he's saying. If you've been listening in English, you've probably heard the word used, hyperbole. That's what Jesus is using here. But his point here is that a follower of Jesus should be prepared to give up anything, in order to keep themselves following him. Nothing is too great a cost to pay to keep trusting in Jesus. That's how valuable Jesus is, and that's how real hell is. I used to have a housemate who, um, who was really serious about bodybuilding, and like every couple of months he'd go through these stages where he'd be cutting out things in his diet in order to, to cut up and get ripped. Often it'd usually be things like carbohydrates and breads and he wouldn't eat bread for like months so that he'd get ripped because he was really serious and he really cared a lot about his body. That's how valuable his body was to him. You see, that's how valuable Jesus is and that's how real hell is. Nothing is too great a cost to pay. Nothing is more valuable than keeping on trusting in Jesus. So back to our question from the start, just how serious Should you be with the whole following Jesus thing? Well, pretty serious, according to these verses. Serious enough to be prepared to give up anything if it's going to keep you from trusting in Jesus. So we raised it before. What about Facebook or Snapchat? What if the things you were bombarded with on Facebook, the lifestyle that's promoted, that you should be living, is tempting you and calling you away from following Jesus to chase after these things. The parties, the popularity, the sex. See if Facebook is causing you to want to follow and chase after these things rather than following Jesus, then get rid of it. It's not worth it. Deactivate your account for a time until you can until you can handle it. I've had to do that before. What about dating though? If your desire to be in a relationship and chasing after guys or girls is something that you're going to be so focused on that you're no longer going to be concerned about following Jesus, would you be prepared to put a hold on dating in order to focus on following Jesus? You see, the list goes on. TV shows and movies, study, designer clothing. Are you prepared to even maybe get rid of your smartphone? See, none of these things we have to get rid of. Jesus isn't saying we have to do these things. But what are you actually prepared to cut out to keep following him? What do you need to cut out to keep believing and trusting in him? Just how serious, back to our question, just how serious should you be with the whole following Jesus thing? See, this passage suggests that it's pretty hard to be too serious about following Jesus. But so far, we've just been thinking about ourselves. Yeah? We've been, what are we prepared to cut out to keep us following Jesus? But what about other people? What are we prepared to cut out to keep others following Jesus? You see, remember verse 42 in that passage. Are you prepared to not go to a certain party? Because while you'll know you'll be able to resist the temptation to drink, you know your friend might not be able to. Or are you prepared to say no to that shift on a Friday night? Because you think that missing youth um, will only be a once-off for you, but you're worried that it might lead one of your mates or one of the people in your G-team to be missing youth more frequently. What are you prepared to cut out to keep others following Jesus? Because following Jesus is serious stuff and it's going to hurt. Which brings us to the last two verses in in this section. And at this point, we've seen that following Jesus is serious stuff because hell is real and it's going to hurt. And what we're going to see in these last two verses is that following Jesus is serious stuff, but it's worth it. Check out verse 49 with me. Verse 49 says, Everyone will be salted with fire. Jesus here is talking about fire again, but this time he's not talking about the fire of hell, but the fire that every follower of Jesus goes through as they continue to follow him. Because like we saw before, following Jesus is like walking through a fire and it's going to hurt, but it's for your good. You see, salt back in the time around Jesus was used not only to add flavour to food like it is now, but it was used as a preserving and purifying agent. So when Jesus says here that everyone will be salted with fire, what he means is that everyone who hurts as they struggle to keep following Jesus, it's like they're going through a purifying fire, a fire that will preserve them and keep them trusting in Jesus. You see, God, by his Spirit, by the power of his Spirit, promises to do just that for everyone who follows Jesus. He promises to keep them trusting in him and so it's worth it take a look at Luke 19 verse 41 to 42 again these are the verses that we read before about Jesus as he heads down to Jerusalem and he looks out over the city says he wept over it and said if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace You see, Jesus is crying here in these verses as he looks out over the city and he thinks of all the people that are headed for the judgment of hell because they've failed to accept him as the one who would go through hell for them on the cross. See, Jesus was heading at this stage for the cross where he would die in their place. But he knew that there would be people in that city who would continue to reject him. And he says, if only you... Knew what would bring you peace. You see, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, offers us peace. He offers us peace with God, eternal peace. He offers us the opposite to hell. In Revelation 21, we looked at it last term at at Eva Youth, Jesus talks about heaven where God will live with his people in peace where there'll be no more crying or pain, eternal peace with God. That's what Jesus offers and that's what Jesus died on the cross to offer us. See, following Jesus as we've seen tonight is serious stuff because hell is real and it is going to hurt, but it's so worth it. The peace that Jesus offers is so worth it. Why don't you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that it, it's not always easy for us to hear and to digest, but God, as we continue to think through these verses, help us to see uh, the reality of hell. Help us to see that you sent Jesus down to die for us so that he could offer us peace with you, that we can live forever with you as God and live in peace for all of eternity. Our God, help us to see these things, and we, and we thank you for that. Um, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.